I am post off the grid, Dave Rubin. It's September 3rd, 2021. This is the Rubin Report, direct message. And as you guys know, we usually do the panel show on Fridays, but because I was off the grid and I'm just trying to catch up on so much of what's been going on, I want to do something a little bit different today. So Glenn Beck, who of course needs no introduction, uh, will be joining us for the full half hour solo. And we're really going to focus on Afghanistan, do a little bit of timeline, what's going on now, a little bit of the media reaction to it, uh, and quite a bit on his Nazarene Fund, which has raised, I just checked this with his people right before we started, an incredible 35 million, that's 35 million dollars to help get Christian refugees out of Afghanistan who are under the threat of death and torture and, and all sorts of bad stuff. Uh, so Glenn has done some really incredible work, traveled to the Middle East in the midst of all this. We'll talk about all of that. And really I wanted to do this because as I'm catching up on Afghanistan in real time, uh, I wanted to talk to somebody who I think could give me sort of a full breath of what's gone on there uh, and a sort of holistic look at all of this because you know I'm trying to piece together everything and watching videos. But you know the narrative changes over time, and I want to be as as clear and clean with you guys on this as I possibly can be. All right, so I'm going to bring in Glenn in about 30 seconds. But before I do that, I want to talk to you guys about about Black Rifle Coffee. You know, Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. They develop their explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus they learned as military members serving this great country and are committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. With every purchase you make, they give back. In 2020, they donated over six million cups of coffee to veteran, law enforcement, and first responder causes. Black Rifle Coffee Company imports high quality coffee beans from Colombia and Brazil and roasts five days a week at their facilities in Manchester, Tennessee and Salt Lake City, Utah. The best way to enjoy the freedom-fueled coffee is by subscribing to the Black Rifle Coffee Club. When you join the club, your chosen brew is roasted, packaged, and shipped free to your door on your schedule. Not only do you save a trip to the store, you, see, you receive a special discounted pricing on various roasts and gain access to exclusive products, member-only content, partner discounts, and more. I gotta tell you, I always get excited when I see a new bag has arrived, and I promise you, these things are freaking huge. I also got this pretty cool mug from them too. With temperatures cooling off, don't let that stop you from getting outside and into the great outdoors with signature roasts like Lava Panther Medium Roast, which Black Rifle Coffee Company directly sources farm to cup from a small farm in Guatemala. Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers fresh roasted coffee from around the world directly to your doorstep. Purchase at blackriflecoffee.com slash Ruben and use code Ruben at checkout for 20% off your purchase, including your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Ruben. And now back to me, I'm bringing in Glenn Beck. Glenn, you're a pro at pretty much everything you do, but you're an ad pro. Mm. How, did I, how did I do? Just oh, that was that? stunning. I don't Not even bad. drink coffee, and I've, I've already ordered some. <laughs> So stunning. <laughs> uh, Glenn, it's great Welcome to see back. you, my friend. Um, you know, obviously I did this month off the grid and, you know, you've brought me back on, uh, I believe two years yeah. ago you did that. Uh, so you know sort of this month that I I've take been, off, it's it's no, the no, real no. deal. You know, it's I've the been real deal. 
I've been waiting uh, for this day. I, I got up this morning, uh, forgetting honestly that we were even on today, uh, and I could because I couldn't wait to hear your reaction after vacation. And I heard Adam, and I'm like, No, Adam, don't tell him like that. No, 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 you're missing this, <laughs> missing that. Uh, but I, I can't imagine what it must have felt like. And I was fascinated, Dave, if we can, I don't mean to just hijack the show here, but hijack. I was fascinated. I was fascinated by your reaction. And it, at first I thought, wow, that's a weird reaction. And then I thought, no, it's not. That's exactly what I would, th I think I would be saying. Because your reaction from the very beginning was twofold. Each time he would tell you something, you go, wait, so the Taliban is in control now of Afghanistan? You would restate what you yeah. just, uh, said, uh, what just heard, and then you would say, what is the press's reaction to it? And I thought, that is a really, really sad state of affairs when when that is the primary question. And I thought, wow, that's weird of Dave to say that. And it, I kept listening to you and I kept thinking about it. And I thought, no, that is probably the most important question because that's what is controlling public opinion. That's what will set whether or not, you know, the people who were responsible for this get away with it or not. It's the lens that matters more in a yep. sick, twisted way than what actually happened. And actually, that's precisely why I wanted to have you on, because I watched a couple of your videos that you've done in the last two weeks or so about Afghanistan. And I obviously want to talk about the Nazarene Fund. I mean, it's, it's truly, like, it's flooringly incredible what you've done. Um, yeah. But I thought maybe we could just start, um, not, you know, obviously most of my audience has been playing along with this the whole time. But for people that haven't, or for people that just want you know, me to be part of this conversation. Can you just give a couple minute explanation of the timeline of what happened? And then, and then we'll kind of get into the optics part and, and what's happening right now. So let me just give you really from 40,000 feet. Um, uh, there've been two people who have been against these wars. Uh, that has been Joe Biden uh, and Donald Trump, both of them uh, not for these wars. Joe Biden is constantly wrong. Historically, if you look it up on his positions, almost every time when it comes to foreign policy, he is diametrically opposed to the right thing. Um, but we all agreed that we should get out. By the time Donald Trump was saying this, he was he was in the zeitgeist and yeah, we all want to get out. The question is, how do you get out? Um, and, you know, there were there was no one dying and I don't want an endless war, but it's not necessarily bad to keep you know, quote unquote, peacekeepers to keep people who are uh, like we have in Germany, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So uh, Biden comes in. They both have the same goal. But Donald Trump, when he is negotiating with the Taliban, which I hated when he was negotiating, when they killed somebody, uh, he bombed them, stopped the negotiation and killed them. Uh, and so that set a different precedent. You know, it was like, don't screw with the United States. We'll talk to you. But don't screw with us. That was the opposite approach of what Joe Biden uh, said. Now, Joe Biden has been saying for the long time that there's not going to be any problems. The 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 uh, Pentagon is all for it. They're with it. That's not true. As it turns out now, we know that's not true. Um, he called President Ghani, who turned out to be a I, th I think a weasel, um, but uh, he called President Ghani back in July, I think, and said, look, this is starting to look bad. Even if it's not true, 
you need to say that things are going well. And I don't want to say that he was telling him to lie. What he was saying was world perception and even your own perception. If you present weakness, you're going to you're going to get back in spades. I wish he would take his own advice. Hmm. Um, but he then he knew at that time, we know now that the Pentagon was saying this is not good. This is not going to go well. But for some reason, Joe Biden just would not uh, take no for an answer. And I think it was the political calculation of I want this to end uh, and I believe it's going to go well because I say it's going to go well and I'm not changing course. And it was an absolute disaster. It was like um, for about three days, it was like watching um, the uh, the planes fly into the World Trade Center, uh, except it was in slower motion. It, it, it was it's that bad. Um, our allies were freaked out. Joe Biden, I don't know if you know this yet, Joe Biden wouldn't take a phone call yeah. or place a phone call to the prime minister of England for 40 hours. What? So, well, let, let me just pause for one sec since I am playing a little catch up here. Were the first, when the images started coming out, was that the first time that the public knew that the withdrawal was happening or were they saying, oh, it's happening 24 no, hours they're from saying, now? No, they're saying that uh, it's happening and we were pulling out of places and the Taliban was just sweeping. It was just, they were just marching, we'd leave uh, and they would march into the city and the Afghan, um, the Afghan army would just run, surrender. Um, so it was not going well. When they got to Kabul, they were even surprised how fast they got to Kabul. Uh, and uh, we needed the city to be secure because our embassy, our billion dollar embassy was sitting there. And um, uh, our Pentagon and Joe Biden got the call from the Taliban. And they said, look, we're at the edge of the city. It appears as though President Ghani has run. So you either have to secure the city or we will. So your two choices are come back and secure the city while you do your departure or we'll secure the city uh, and the airport gates, but you secure the airport. That's the one we chose. Well, as soon as that happened, uh, it was it was over. Everybody knew that Taliban was coming in and going to take control. There was no holding back. You know, I know you saw that um, that video of the plane taking off. I don't know if you know that uh, one of the guys that was in it was the hero soccer player of the Afghani uh, team uh, no. is so, so desperate to get out. And I believe he was frozen in one of the the wheel hubs um the they said that after that plane landed they needed to have psychiatrists uh and and mental health officials on the tarmac not for the people on the plane but for the people who greeted the plane because there were so many body parts and things Ugh. frozen and it it if it was it was horrendous so then we go into a place to where these c141s are loading up uh, but there's nobody saving, you know, the SIVs. There's nobody looking out for the little girls, for the Christians. At this point is when I say on the air, we have to do something. I talked to the Nazarene Fund. They said it'll take at least $20 million to get the anywhere from 10 to 15,000 Christians out that are marked for death. 
and we didn't know how we were even going to do it. And $20 million was a ridiculous sum of money. Yeah. Um, and we started on Wednesday by, by Friday morning, uh, we had 25 million raised just from my audience in hundreds and tens and, and it's crazy. And we were at the time just going to rescue, um, Christians because at that time we were being told we won't leave anyone behind. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any way that that could be done by August 31st, but I was hoping because America doesn't leave people behind. Uh, and, and there was a huge shift and this is something that you, you missed and it was, it was really good. There was a huge shift in, I think the American psyche, uh, during that week where people were tired of being told they can't do something. And this was a big thing. And by God, they were going to do something. And people and organizations from all over sprung into action while we were having fights with our British counterparts, while the French mm -hmm. were letting their people go through the gates to go out and save their people. We were, we were just, I, I, I feel for everybody who was wearing an American uniform on the tarmac because I know they wanted to go on the other side of the gate and go get people, but Biden wouldn't do it. Um, do you see this then? I mean, from from the side of trying to catch up on all this, everything that I have read, it seems like an abject disaster across the board. Like it doesn't seem like there was a moment. It's it seems like they made a decision and it simply did not matter, even despite those images, which basically couldn't have been more horrific. And then after what you just described they, on the plane, they, the planes landed. They continue to call it a success all the way through. It's a success. That is the craziest stuff I've ever heard. That's 25th Amendment stuff. That man's clearly delusional. He's out of his mind. Um, but he refuses to call it anything else. No one is being held responsible for it. Nobody's even being asked to step up and be held responsible. They gave away Bagram Air Force Base. Why would we do that? And if we did do that, we should have bombed the tarmac so China or others couldn't use it. What did, what, what were we thinking? So, what so were in we essence, thinking? in essence, we've just armed the Taliban. Is that fair to say? I mean, with the amount of stuff that oh, we yeah. left there and left the airfield, we have now armed the Taliban. Now you can say, and this is partly true, I think it's unreasonable to believe, uh, I think it's unreasonable to think that there wasn't a uh, a, uh, in case they take over and lose all these things, here's what we're going to do to make sure they don't have all these weapons. Um, they, uh, they just say that happened because we didn't expect the Afghani forces just to abandon, but that's not true. We know from that, uh, phone call Joe Biden made in July, he said, looks like your guys are just giving up and that cannot be. Um, and so we didn't do air support. We did nothing. And when they left, they just picked up all the guns, 16,000 night vision goggles. The reason why that's important is because we can actually paint people uh, on the ground and we know we paint them and then the drone or whoever knows mm -hmm. exactly that's the target. And they had no idea because they couldn't see the paint. Now they have 16,000 of these, and you don't think Russia's paying for some of those? You don't think China's paying for some of those? This is, this is, I think, I think this is the most impeachable thing I have, I've seen in my lifetime. And that includes Nixon.
I mean, the sad truth, though, of course, is that there won't be any impeachment because no, of this, be and there, there probably won't even be anyone fired or any. Maybe nope. somebody, some you know, third-rate person gets blamed for something. One of the things that you mentioned, the media part of this, when, when Adam was explaining this all to me, I asked him about the initial reaction from the media, and he said that the images of the planes and the people falling off and all that was so shocking and happening in real time that there was a small window, basically, where the media was actually like you know, kind of calling out the administration and everything else. Yeah. How do you think the media has done sort of subsequently from that? Uh, poorly. Um, you know, they did their, Shocker, I know. They, yeah, they did their, they did their deal and now they're off it. And I can tell you, uh, Dave, if you would have plugged back in and not had a briefing and you would have come back in probably Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, it would be like this didn't happen. Yeah. Because uh, I think this story is now over. You they're can feel it. You can feel it already. Uh, even yeah, just from quick, I'm trying not to be on Twitter too much, but on a quick scroll, it's kind of like that's not really what we're talking. It's you know, it's all back to COVID stuff here. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's it's, and and we have left thousands behind, thousands behind. It is this is one of the worst moral injuries to our nation and especially to our troops I've ever seen. There is something about America. We don't turn in our neighbors. We we trust people. That's what people always say when they come here. You know, you Americans are just so trusting. Yeah, because we've never turned on each other. You know, we never we never called the KGB and said, I think they're doing this. Um, but we also had this same thing that we're pursuing. We were we all believed we were pursuing a more perfect nation that believed in equal rights and we didn't it's sloppy and we didn't get it right but we were making progress on many many fronts um and then all of a sudden that fell apart and and now we're sitting here uh with this moral injury that all of us i think all of us had and that is we don't leave people behind we, we you know we we don't leave we don't we, we we left a guy he's he we've been trying i guess to negotiate for his release he's just like a gas man he was over there helping them build and and uh, you know take care of some stuff he was kidnapped in 2020 joe biden said we're not going to leave without him i don't think they even negotiated for him we still don't have him we have what 20 or no 40 students from california that are still trapped there what the hell do you mean the United States military is leaving? No, no, we don't leave people behind. And that's a huge moral injury on all of us. Does this all feel like just another extension of everything else that seems wrong with sort of this country? And I think in a broader sense, the West at the moment, that nothing is working the way it's supposed to. Every single institution, educational, now military, obviously political, they all are not functioning. So in a weird way, it's like, well, how could the United States leave in a proper way? Because look who's in charge. And in a weird way, it almost feels intentional. I mean, that was my feeling when oh. I started catching up, that the disaster, I don't think these people like America that much. I'm talking about our leaders. And I don't think they're that embarrassed. I think you're embarrassed. I think most Americans are embarrassed. I'm trying I think to, you're right. Yeah. I think you're right, Dave. I think, you know, I've thought about this a lot. You know, how do these people sleep at night? And how could you, I mean, I couldn't plan a bigger disaster. I really couldn't. I right. mean, that, everything, that's what I mean. They, right. 
Uh, and so that's wild incompetence. But even if you're that incompetent, once in a while, something will fall in your favor. You know, this this feels like it was designed by people who hate America. And what I thought about when I was thinking that was, um, you know, we're looking at this and saying, how could we leave these people behind? But the people who are really in charge, the I mean, the radicals now that mm -hmm. Democrats, I hope, are waking up going, that's not the party I thought it was. They think that this is what we are. They think that America is a horrible place and uh, the military is just an aggressor. So why would we? Why would we save those people who helped us? Where the people in uniform and the people in the in 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 the real America, and that can be New York City, Los Angeles, whatever, but they have that feeling of America. That's a loss of real honor, and there is something very very honorable uh, in America, and they don't have it. They don't have it, and if the American people on the Democratic side, and quite honestly anybody else asleep, if they don't find a place for that honor to reside in them, um, we are doomed yeah. because this is the point of choosing. It really is the point of choosing. You are either going to go over the cliff with the rest of humanity because you have to. You have to close your heart. You can't see this and just leave your heart way open. You won't. You'll bleed to death. You have to close your heart or do something to help. And I, I fear that many Americans will now just close their heart. And that's why Dietrich Bonhoeffer lost in Germany. He was just like Gandhi. He did exactly the same thing Abraham Lincoln, Jesus, all of them did. And he was unsuccessful in Germany. And it's because the people had already closed their heart. We cannot let that happen. That's, that's one of the main reasons why we're doing the Nazarene Fund. And no matter what anybody says, when we first started raising money for the Christians, it was because we thought everyone else was gonna get out. Mm -hmm. We are taking, we have taken anyone who is marked for death. I don't care. I've, and Dave, I, uh, I challenged uh, Glad, who I know you probably don't agree with. Um, but <laughs> I challenged- fans of mine. I know. Uh, I challenged Glad, I challenged the National Organization of Women, Join me. I don't agree with you politically. You don't agree with me. That's fine. But I I have religious friends who know where the religious people are. You got to know where some homosexual is hiding out. Somebody has to hear and have a friend. I, I have the planes. We have the resources. Let's go save them. Nothing. Nothing. They don't care. Okay, so wait, two things there. First off, on the, on the Bonhoeffer story, we discussed that when I when you did my show a while back, so we're gonna link to that, so if people wanna know more about that story, because I think you're right, he was trying to do the right thing, and enough people said, nah, nothing really works anymore. I'm, I'm too scared, so that that's one thing. Just to clarify what you're saying right now, so you reached out to GLAAD, National Organization for Women, said, hey, we wanna help anybody, it's not just the Christians. You got no response. No response, no response. So, so, okay, so let's and, back and up. Quite, quite honestly, I mean, uh, if, if Joe Biden was stuck in Afghanistan, we would get him and put him on a plane. It, this, is, this is the difference between the collective uh, thinking and the individual. I think you have value 
whoever you are, whatever your lifestyle, whatever it is you do, you as a human being have value. And and it I can't sit around why people while people are 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 being allowed to be executed, burned alive, uh, their tongues cut out. Uh, no, my 12 year old daughter should not be your wife should not be raped repeatedly. No, my wife doesn't have to stay at home. What part of these things do you think that you can't stand up for? What, I, I just, I really don't understand why some people are just silent and they're all just talking about politics. This is so far beyond politics. Yeah, well, in a way, it's a spiritual crisis and it's this horrifically myopic view of the world that views everything through that political lens. So if you're not with me politically, then sure, I'm not gonna help Glenn Beck get the gays out of Afghanistan or get a woman who might be raped out of Afghanistan because Glenn Beck is the real bad guy, not, not the Taliban. But, but wait, I wanna back up a little bit because, so, okay, you guys have raised $35 million. It's absolutely incredible. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the uh, original mission of the Nazarene Fund and how does this all happen? I mean, how do you get planes there? So how do you the, secure the area? How do you make sure you're getting the right people on the planes? I mean, it's it's an it's a extraordinary right. Yeah. Okay. So so the Nazarene Fund started um, when they were crucifying um, Christians, and do you remember in Iraq or Syria they had trapped all those Yazidis up on that mountain? Yeah. And they were surrounded, and no one would help. That's the beginning of the Nazarene Fund. We're like, these people are all going to be wiped out and nobody is helping them. Nobody is helping them because the Yazidis, I mean, I don't know of any Yazidi families, churches, groups anywhere, but there. Yeah, they so were literally like trapped at the top of a mountain, right? Top it was just this small. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Correct. So we went in to save the Yazidis and also to save Christians. Um, because they were being crucified, marked for death. So any religious minority anywhere in America, I mean, it kills me that we don't go for the Uyghurs in China. Um, but anybody who is being persecuted for their religious stance doesn't matter what religion you are. Um, we, our mission is to go in and help you and to get you to safety. We have moved... I don't know the numbers, Dave, so don't hold me to any of these numbers. I think 10,000 just to Australia, 10,000 people, or it's, I, I don't know the number. I think it may be more. It's not less than that. It's maybe more than that. Um, we have, we've gone in, we've rescued them. We have then um, stabilized them, then brought them to a host country. We help them learn a language, learn a trade. We help them with their rent. Uh, we help them with their food for over a two-year period so we don't just dump people into a welfare system. That doesn't help them. Yeah. Uh, and th this community in Australia and several other countries are, are really thriving now. It's amazing to watch. Um, and so, we so have- just, just in the last two weeks though, so, so you guys raise the funds, you get the planes there, how are you how are you making sure you're getting the right people okay so on the planes, like the have, actual logistics of it so the guy who is um, my uh coo of the nazarene fund uh he is rudy atala and he is a guy who is an air force colonel or i don't know for 25 years he was in the air force high ranking uh, and then he's been on, I think, two presidents, national security councils. He's a buttoned up guy. 
he is also Lebanese. So he he speaks Arabic. He um, he's from the Middle East. He understands the whole culture. He's been just a rich, rich asset for us. I called him on it was a Tuesday night and I said, Rudy, we got it. We got to get out these people out. Tell me, call me tomorrow morning and let's talk about it on the air and give me a number. And so that's when he called me on Wednesday morning. And he is so good at logistics. And and uh, uh, Dave, I, I can't tell you this uh, on camera, um, but I, I'm telling you, it was miracle. It, it, it yeah. was like act of God stuff because um, in the end, and I'll tell you personally, and you can tell it later when it becomes public knowledge, but it's uh, there was that we went from not being able to even land a plane uh, to pretty much telling what planes could be landed and, and who's going where. And it, it just was a miracle. So we ended up being the group that could get you out with a plane. We we then uh, partnered with others like the Mighty Oaks Foundation, um, uh, Save Our Allies Coalition. I mean, there's like six different groups that we have partnered with that their assets were, I can go in and get them, but I can't get them on a plane. And so it was this really cool thing where everybody's just working together. Nobody cares about the credit. Um, you know, nobody's positioning in front of a camera. It's just, let's go. Let's just go and help. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm going to donate, of course, and we're going to link to the fund uh, down below. Do you guys have a sense of how many people, either Americans, I mean, it's very unclear to me at this point, how no. many Americans are still there? How many Christians are still there? How many of our translators and all of the other people we were Thousands. working with who are now going to be targeted? Do we have any sense of those numbers? Thousands. Um, you know, let's just put it this way. I don't think anybody knows the American number, uh, but it's not 300 or 200. It's not even work close to that. Joe Biden came out and said in one press conference at the beginning, it was 16,000. Then he said in the next press conference, you know, a few days later that it was 10,000. And then the next press conference, he said, we got all 5,000 people out. Now, I'm, I'm not a mathematician, but I don't think 5,000 is 10 or 15,000. Maybe that's just me. Well, in Joe's defense, he doesn't really know what he's saying, so I'll, 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 I'll grant him that much. Um, all right, well, before we wrap up, I mean, is there is there anything else that you wanna share with my audience? I mean, obviously, again, we're gonna link to things and all that, but is there is there anything else about this you know, it seems to me this is one of those things which is why I'm so proud to work with you and call you a friend. It's like, this is what your life led to, is that you, I know you're not just this guy talking on these pipes. Like, you are actually trying to help people. That's why you know the history and why you're, why you're a student of history. And I've been to your house and your library and the, the documents that you have that talk about, that are the, the, the items of oppression over the years and the items of freedom and all these things. Um, is there anything else that you want to share about this that I can... Just yeah, open the I platform think, for. I think, Dave, the most important thing, and I, I think you get this because of our conversations over the years. And, you know, I know people have thought for a long time, I think he's crazy. He's just bat crap crazy. He's just a conspiracy theorist. I'm telling you, this is the time I warned about. This, These are the events and these are the people in Washington and around the world that, that I warned about. Um, I said at one point this week, because I just, I, you know, when you're doing this 
And th this is not my job. I'm not a soldier. I'm not a guy who makes life and death decisions. And uh, and now I'm kind of in that and I don't think I should. That's not my skill set. And it wears on you. It just wears on you. Uh, we got them. But what about those people? Did we get those people? I understand the ending of Schindler's List unlike I've ever understood it. And it is. Um, you mean that that last moment where he's saying I could have done more. I could have done more. Could have. Yeah. 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 Um, and but I, I tell you that this is the moment of choosing and pe people have to understand that we, that we, we are now out of time. And what I mean by that is you don't need a revolution. You don't need anything. You just need to realize that you do have the power that you can fix it. We don't need Washington to do it. I'm a recovering alcoholic, former DJ man. And my group is flying planes out of the Middle East. That's insane. That's insane. You don't need permission and you are not the stooge of the government. You are the one with the power. They convince the Australian people that, oh no, the government's gonna take care of you and the government is great. They're building camps now for the unvaccinated. Literally. Yes, it, literally. I mean, all you have to do is take away guns. That's all you have to do. When the, I think it was Washington said, when the uh, government fears the people, there's freedom. When the people fear the government, there's oppression. And I don't want them to be like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid they're gonna blow us up. I just want them to know, we know, we don't need them. We don't need them. We'll make our own decisions back up. Glenn, thanks for doing this. Thanks for everything you do. Have a good weekend. I'm, I'm going to continue on for a minute or two and share a couple yeah. other things. I'm, you know, I'm Thanks. trying to fight. I'm trying to fight for our friend Larry Elder here in California. It's oh a, my It's gosh. a whole other, a whole other fight. Uh, oh, I know. I'm, I'm doing devoting this. my ten days to now. And, and Dave, if you know anyone, any group in the Middle East, they don't have to agree with us. If you know anyone, I have been. I think you know this. I have been on the, hey, can we just pay attention to the people they're throwing off roofs in the Middle East? I've been on that bandwagon for a long time. Anything, anything to help. If you know of something that we can help, we're there, please. I, I have no doubt my audience is gonna be reaching out to me to, to fill me in on good. some stuff. And as I said, we're gonna link to all that. Glenn, thank you. And thank you. just keep up the good work. So that's all God I can bless say. You. Thanks, Dave. All right. Uh, okay, guys, so I, I hope that gave a little bit of a sort of recap of everything that's going on and, and gave, I don't know, I guess, suppose gave you a little feeling that you have a little power in this, whether it's to donate a little money or support, support Nazarene Fund however you can, or just really what Glenn said there at the end, that this thing is kind of broken. It's very obvious. I can tell you after being off the grid for 30 days, my feeling over the last three days has been that everything feels kind of broken right now. But I don't feel broken. And I'm guessing that you don't feel completely broken. And that's what they're sort of preying on, that they can just break all of us. And we'll all just be dependent on them forever. And what Glenn said there at the end, it's actually happening right now. I just saw an article about it right before we started. They are building quarantine camps in Australia, a population that does not have guns. It's like, what is really going on here? Can we not do anything 
foreign policy-wise that is right? I mean, what, what will our allies think about us? I, I don't think we should have been, we, we probably never should have been at war with Afghanistan. I remember the day we went to war. Uh, it was my, I was at my cousin's birthday party and I remember one of the caterers was actually crying because she was saying she just, had just heard that, the, that we were going to war in Afghanistan 20 years ago. My, the same cousin that I just went to her wedding a few days ago, she was like 12 or 13 at the time. Um, like, what are our allies gonna think now? Like, oh, is the United States trustworthy? whether the war was right or wrong or anything else, but that's just sort of consistent with everything that feels like it's breaking down right now. Like our media is broken down, our political system is broken down. Everyone feels like everyone's lying all the time. And I think the only thing that we can do, and again, I am going to just devote every moment that I have to it, is trying to be honest and decent and figuring out a way that, that some of us can, can make it through this madness, because the madness ain't going anywhere. So. Uh, as for the madness that's happening here in California, um, there is a lot of momentum with Larry Elder right now. It's really feeling like something. Um, I, you know, I tweeted out this morning, I have no doubt that California, the machine of California, will, will do whatever it can to stop the recall one way or another or make sure that Larry isn't the governor, but maybe we can overwhelm them with votes. You know what I mean? Like whatever they're gonna do. Actually, David got an email last night from the state of California talking about mail-in ballots and they want everyone really to mail in because they want you to do it safely. Now you know me, I'm a real right-wing freedom extremist, so I'm gonna vote in person. I'm gonna risk my life and vote in person on the 14th. Um, but one of the things they said in the email was that you can send in your ballot up until the 14th. Now think about what that means. That means that if the election is on the 14th, and you can still send your ballots in on the 14th, then we know the counting won't be done until the 14th. So do you think, or till after the 14th, so do you think that perhaps if Larry is in the lead, if the recall is happening, do you think maybe they're gonna say, oh, we gotta wait, because we got a whole bunch of more uh, mail-in ballots coming. You know, it's like, ah, everything is kind of screwy right now, but that's not a reason to give up, right? Like that's, that's more of a reason to fight than anything else. So all of that being said, uh, we are not doing an in-studio show on Monday because Larry Elder is doing an event. Where's the event? In Thousand Oaks, right? Thousand Oaks, California. It's a little bit outside of Los Angeles. I'm gonna go, I may speak, it's a little unclear at the moment, but I'm gonna be there with the crowd. We, we will live stream or post some videos from there. We're trying to figure out some of the logistical stuff and we'll see who some of the other speakers are. And maybe I can do some interviews or just talk to you guys or something. We are gonna do something because as I said, I'm really devoting my next 10 days to this. Maybe there's a chance, maybe there's a chance. So that's one thing. On the other side, uh, we will link to the Nazarene Fund down below. I'm gonna donate right when we finish this. And uh, have a good weekend, everybody. Everything's gonna be okay. I know it feels nuts. Feels nuts. Guys, am I being positive? And how do you feel today? Connor gave me a thumbs up. Am I being positive or am I giving a scary worldview? Are you freaking out, Michael? They both gave me thumbs up. All right, everything's gonna be all right. But we just, but it's up to you. I know, who am I to tell you everything's gonna be all right? I have no freaking clue, but <laughs> it's up to you guys. All right, get out of here. Have a good weekend.